The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, enough's enough, and it's time for a change. Owen Hart. Oh, okay. Welcome to the uh, game. All right. There's a double entendre there. I just figured you were informing me I'm done, so... No, you can stay for a little while. It's Sage I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, we already know that, you know, that that, that clock is already ticking. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Sage Williams here. No DG, he's out, and uh, Big Steve will be joining us later on this week. Uh, we got a jam-packed show, guys. I mean, still to come, we have the SEC considering its own playoff. Playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah, yeah there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Cat's uh, going to have a uh, 2023 quarterback coming in for an official visit. That's interesting. Royals, that's kind of what I was referencing as well, but... Uh, we need to get to the results of our bet that we made last week. We've been doing sports gambling here now that it's legal in the state of Kansas. I brought the price list. The Weber Hall price list. Oh, so... Uh, Prepared for whomever. I thought you brought in a menu. Like, you, you brought in, like, a steakhouse menu it, it so you start picking out steaks. Yeah, it essentially is the menu for you to make your hmm, selection. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I know that the new price list will come out here this week, but... This at least gives you a place to judge from, depending on who our winner was. So this is the third time in the last month that we've done some sort of a draft. Mm -hmm. And the last two have been because of sports gambling is now legal. So we bet on, uh, what was it? Uh, we Oh, the, uh, the race in Kansas City, the NASCAR race, the Advent Health 400. And then this last week was for the PGA Championship in Tulsa. So we drafted a bunch of golfers, did we, Troy, DG, and myself, and we would just kind of tally up the finish and see who had the best overall team. DG did it again. Seriously. He did it again. He is three for three. He won the fast food restaurant draft. He won the NASCAR draft, and now he has won the PGA Championship draft. He had... Roy McIlroy, I'll go in order he drafted. Roy McIlroy finished 8th. Brooks Kepka, 55th. Ricky Fowler, 23rd. Justin Thomas, yeah. first place. Uh, Patrick Cantley, I forgot to get that one, but I think he didn't make the cut anyway. But And then uh, Max Homa mm-hmm. finished 13th. Yeah, we didn't really uh, we didn't really match up well against that. No, we did not. You had a couple of guys get cut. Now, you had Will Zalatoris, who finished second, but then second best for you was Tony Finau in 30th. Oof. And then my best finish. This is what I get for going off of uh, Vegas's numbers, by the way. Well, that's where I went as well. I had a tie for 13th. Xander Shoffley and Cameron Smith. Yeah, DG wiped it up once again. Two guys in the top eight. 
So now we both owe him steaks. Proving, Let me see that menu. What proving, can I afford? Proving, much like the NCAA tournament, you don't have to prepare for it. You can just make your picks accordingly. <laughs> Maybe he'll just con- he'll he'll consider some ground beef. Uh, easy or enough. Or some skirt steaks. How about that? There you go. I mean, the KC strip steak isn't horrendous. I mean, ribeye is seventeen dollars a pound. Yeah. Woo! That's a little too buku for my bucks. Finally raised, though, by our fine folks. At oh, I'm sure it's wonderful. Have you ever had um, wagyu? I have not. Tempted, just haven't done it yet. No, I haven't done it either. I don't know what it's expensive, I know, but it's supposed to be amazing. I know uh, Dave Dryling's got the uh, one now open. Right. The the yeah, processor, essentially, or the purchase point. Do you have me on Snapchat? Do you do Snapchat? Uh, I don't think I've got you on Snapchat, but I, I, I am on there. So, uh, Lindsay and I, Very we decided rarely, to do but, something really fun for dinner last night. So, I remember, I think it was Sunday morning, we, we woke up. And on the T, I just turned the TV on, went to like the travel channel and they're doing like food paradise or some show like that. But the whole theme, the whole show is mac and cheese. And man, do we love mac and cheese. She makes some bomb mac and cheese. So we watched it quite closely for some ideas. And this one restaurant is in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And this lady was talking about how you got to use mozzarella cheese. That's where you get the stringiness of the cheese. It makes it a little bit more gooey. Mm-hmm. And uh, sh- and she put sharp cheddar in there as well. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And then went and all the ingredients she puts in there. Like, nothing was off limits. So what we decided to do, we got shrimp. We got um, some Cajun sausage. We got Ooh. some bacon. And we got the sharp cheddar. We got the mozzarella. But we took all the meats, put it in this tin foil, put some Cajun, more Cajun seasoning on there, and we put it on the grill for about 30 minutes. Got real smoky in there, and man, we mixed it in with that mac and cheese. Absolutely amazing. Might be the best mac and cheese I've ever had, and it was on a stove in Wamigo, Kansas. Um, screen door restaurant. Is that the place in Portland? I don't recall. Oh, okay. All right. This Also, this episode was probably like seven years old. <laughs> it's a show that's been around, around for a while. Understand. Travel Channel, a lot of the new stuff they do these days is a lot of ghost hunting. Jeez. And maybe some, drive, uh, some Triple D. Triple D is the challenge, actually, that the voice of the uh, Salt Lake City Bees... And erstwhile Weber State football and basketball announcer, he tries to hit every single one of those that he can hit on road trips. I also had another first this weekend when it comes to food. I had my first ever DiGiorno pizza. What? I'd never had one before this past weekend. Now, if I'm going pizza in the oven, I'm cheap. I'm talking like... (laughs) Totino's or Tony's. Oh, God, it's been so long since I've had a Tony's. Oh, wow. Maybe Tombstone is about as <laughs> as a pricey as I go. Or I know like Aldi's or mm-hmm. like, um, what's another? Maybe like Dylan's, I think, might have them. Like the big giant pizzas. Sure. They're, they're huge. Pop them in the oven. They're pretty tasty. They're not too bad. But a DiGiorno pizza, 
it's way too much dough, too much breading. It's too much. Like I like a thinner pizza. I like New York style, big slice pizza because it's not overwhelming with the dough. No, I'm with you there. I, I, it, pan pizza at pizza has seemed to get to the point where it is all dough and barely any toppings. That's my general feeling at See, this I point. Do, I, I'm not able to do that anymore. I don't really do Pizza Hut anyway, like just in general. Sure. Uh, we hit a Papa John's once in a while. Uh, Domino's is a big one out of like Toynton Family Stadium or maybe Bramlage for a women's basketball game. Yeah. That's a big catering uh, choice. I say catering. They just order the pizzas, you know, and they show up, although it's like 40 that, sometimes. That was the blessed thing that uh, working with Jeff Linder before he went to Wyoming we had no pizza on the road. He would. He literally mandated no pizza. Now, I thought sometimes it would be pretty cool. I I'd, thought that was an interesting touch. The, so the teams that come into Bramlage, mm-hmm. it's quite often they will all get their own AJ's pizza. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, that's a solid deal. Mm-hmm. I don't recall like when I was at the soccer team if we ever did anything like that because there will there'll be food at the bus after games right. or by the locker room or wherever. We just grab it, get on the bus and eat, and then we're off to the airport. Right. But a whole AJ's pizza for each person, That's because AJ's is pretty good. New York style, of course. I haven't had it in a while, but man, is it good. And does everybody know about um, Vista and their pizza? No. I forget what it's called. I don't know. Maybe this is a secret thing. I don't know. But Vista does pizza. But you have to order it like... On Wednesdays, and you can only get it on Fridays. You have to order in advance, and there'll be like people just waiting out in the in the parking lot for them to just walk up and get their get your pizzas. They'll deliver it to you to your car. It's really good. Mental note: Make sure I reach out I to Mister Andy. I don't remember what they call it though. I'm telling you, like, there's some good pizza joints around here. That's but, that's why I feel guilty for having Little Caesars last night. I mean, Little Caesars isn't that bad of a of a choice. Like, it's cheap, the hot and ready or whatever. But cheap, it's, like, quick, not bad. Uh, it, cheap, quick, and, uh, well, honestly, I just was hungry. And Monica was – Monica's been in a uh, testing mode in terms of what she's allowed to eat and isn't allowed to eat. And um, so yeah. that's kind of uh, starting to limit a little bit. On my side of things, Now, too. she won't let you do your own thing if you want? You have to do it separately? Uh, not or necessarily. you have to do it together is what I mean? No, I mean, we try to do try to do as much together as possible. But, you know, as of last night, she was kind of in the process of trying to figure out exactly what direction she was going. And I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go grab pizza. Now, I'll tell you this as well. Which was probably cruel of me, but... Not only did I have a weird, like, food weekend... I also had a weird, like, sports-watching weekend. It, it was completely uncharacteristic of what I normally do, especially, like, this time of year. Like, this time of year, I don't really watch the NBA. I'll just mm-hmm. kind of pay attention to the Royals. Even though the playoffs are going on, I'll try to watch the Royals. Well, I did not watch, even though we're about to talk about the Royals here in just a second. I promise we're getting there. But I did not watch any of the Royals. It just, with Bally Sports now, not having it, um, and also yeah. the app not working all the time unreliable and i've heard it from a lot of people just can't trust it so it's not exactly a desire for me and i know there are issues anyway i don't have to watch it to know they're not doing well Mm -hmm. but um 
I watched the Premier League champion, the, the, the final day. That was big. I watched a lot of NHL. I watched a little bit of golf. Yes, I did watch a little bit of the PGA Championship. <laughs> I saw some horse racing was on. Yep. Um, Saturday. Yeah. Preaksness. This was actually, this actually wasn't that. Oh, really? It was something different. I was like, oh, I found a horse racing channel. I watched a race oh, on that. Uh, FS2 was running probably something there. America's yeah, something Day like, at the no, races. No, it's actually its own. It's a, it's a horse racing channel. There is there is a horse yes, racing channel. Yes, there is that. Yes, TVG. There you go. That's it. The headquarters are like in Los Angeles. I remember mm-hmm. we, had, we were in a hotel next to that that one headquarters. And what else did I watch? It was something that I don't normally watch. But anyway, like super weird weekend of sports that were going on, but it was all a bunch of big deals type of stuff. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the Preakness. You had the PGA Championship and the Premier League the, the finishing the season mm-hmm. all on one weekend. It was like a fantastic weekend for sports, but for sports that aren't, well, I should say, how do I phrase this? Maybe for somebody sports in the, this market, sports it's an the, odd weekend for really good opportunities to watch sports. Sports that don't rank high on your usual radar. How about that? Yeah, I mean, my radar is college football and basketball. Mm-hmm. I did. Oh, I mean, I did watch some K State baseball. That didn't go well, but I did watch that. But yeah, it was an odd weekend, really odd weekend for sports. But it was really entertaining. I mean, the mm-hmm. PGA Championship. I was watching. Everybody was so frustrated with the wind, but they were nailing some incredible putts. Yes, and. I'm a big fan of NHL playoff hockey. Me too. Well, the thing is, though, you don't see as many fights. It's a lot of pushing and shoving. <laughs> no, you're right. We might see some tonight when the Blues and Avalanche get together well, again. Well, who was it? Was it the uh, it Edmonton? Was, the, was it Edmonton and Calgary? Was that the, who was playing? And they had like eight guys in the penalty box at one yeah, time. Yeah, that was Edmonton and and Calgary. There's the battle for Alberta. You had the Rangers and uh, Rangers yesterday get into a fight literally after the horn sounded. So there's going to be some uh, punishment coming from that one. Well, it was excellent last week. Two dudes in the penalty box, as soon as they both got out, same time, fight. they dropped gloves and start throwing. I was like, yes, that's, that's what the sport's all about. Blues are, are PO'd because they lost their goalie for at least two games uh, because he got run into by... Nadri Kazim of the Avalanche. Problem is, is that... Look at Troy throwing out some hockey names. Kazim was basically blocked into the goalie. They don't want to talk... The Blues fans don't want to talk about that. They just want to go with Kadri's old history, which has been known to be a thug. And so that's a bit problematic. And the Blues fans, there are some that have gone so far as sending death threats. Wow. Speaking of the Blues, here, I'll throw a name out to you. Pavel Dimitra. Remember him? Old school. Yes. The reason I know that name is because I used to play NHL 99 on my Windows 98, and I played with the Blues there. My team, mm-hmm. and Pavel Dimitra, mm-hmm. a defender, was awesome. Unfortunately, <laughs> he passed away way too soon in his life. All right, yep. let's take a timeout. I opened with the show with Ugh. the Owen Hart quote, enough is enough and it's time for a change. The reasoning for that's coming up next. Oh, well, well, how fitting is this? 
I open up Twitter, and the first thing I see is K-State women's basketball assistant coach Brian Osterman retweeting the Twins' comeback yesterday at Kauffman Stadium from Valley Sports North. Thank you, Coach O. It's like you're retweeting daggers into my soul. Yeah, that was a that Cruel. Was an absolute disaster. Cruel. That has been the breaking point, ladies and gentlemen. The reason I bring that up is because the fans have had enough. I've seen the tweets. I've seen the retweets. I've seen the anger out there. And by God, is Twitter the place to go for that? So what happens Sunday? The Royals are trying to salvage this series, right? Just in case you missed it. And uh, the Royals have lost the first two to the Twins. Trying to win the Sunday game to win one out of three. And get their 15th win of the season. Brady Singer, his second start since returning to the rotation. Solid outing. Seven innings of scoreless baseball. Which, by the way, let's give a shout to Brady Singer one more time. Because when he started the season, three outings before he was sent down for just a moment, Brady Singer hadn't even reached four innings yet in a game. He had struggled to start the year. And now his last two outings, he's gone seven innings. Mm -hmm. And he's done a great job since returning. It's like somebody there maybe knows what they're doing. When it comes to uh, trying to uh, get a pitcher's mojo back, his confidence, tweak a few things, bring him back up, and he's doing a great job. But the old bullpen didn't want to back him up because the bullpen would go on after the Royals up 6 nothing heading into the eighth inning. Well, the bullpen gives up five runs in the eighth, a couple more in the ninth, and the Royals lose 7-6. to six. They're swept by the Minnesota Twins, which the Twins sweeping the Royals in Kansas City. First time that has happened since 2010. The comeback for the Twins is something that is very rare. Hmm. Now, the reason I say that is because it's more rare than just saying Twins make a comeback in KC. It's more complicated than that. Because, shout to uh, Royal Stats for this. For the first time ever, the Royals, they lost a home game when leading by exactly six runs after seven innings. Previous to that, 128 and 0. Jeez. The Royals are now 202 in all games when leading by exactly six runs after seven innings. The only other loss was to Toronto. Back in 2003. Yeah, the loss after that, if it wasn't enough, the insult to injury when you start seeing the statistics come out and you just realize how rare of a feat that is that a team in your division comes back in your home and beats you by a run after they were trailing by six. Think about that for a moment. These teams will play 19 times this season since the... Major League Baseball went unbalanced with the schedules before the pandemic began even. They started to set it up so that you were playing your divisional foes much more than you were playing anyone else. So think of all the times that the Royals have played someone in their division and how heavily weighted it is towards a divisional foe. And it still had never happened until yesterday. That is some utter 
Well, it's crushing Anger-inducing moments. It's either, you know, the offense isn't backing up the rotation after a good outing or the rotation isn't good enough. We have not. Have we seen a consistent game on all fronts all year long? No. Now, it still feels to me that the offense does somewhat have a little bit of a spark. I mean, at least they're leaving guys on base. And instead of, you know, going one, two, three, going in order, six out of nine innings. You still got the black hole in the lineup, though, in Santana. Yeah, I mean. DHing tonight. DHing. The guy can't hit, and you're going to DH him. Do you just want me, get me to give you the floor on this one? <laughs> you go right ahead. Well, I, mean, I, I have your say, man. I'm just no. I just think you're more fired up than I am. Oh, and I think we all know where I'm going with this. Enough is enough is a time, and it's time for a change. I mean, the fans have been saying it, and I've been saying it for a couple of years. Most Royals fans have probably been saying it for at least a couple of years, if not more. And, may, and kind of for me, it all started when I I was hearing the words that Whit Merrifield is untradeable. We'll never trade Whit Merrifield. You probably should have done that. You might be a year behind on that. Oh, yeah, especially. We don't, I don't even think we need to bring up Whit Merrifield. He's hitting over 200 now. Maybe he's getting a little bit better. Let's hope, fingers crossed, it continues. But, of course, the, the, the message is we're all tired of what Kansas City currently has, and it goes just beyond Cal Eldred. I would imagine Mike Matheny would be one of them you got to throw oh. in there. And, of course, the general manager in Dayton Moore. Or, more appropriately, team president in Dayton Moore. You've got to throw in there that oh, he moved me. J.J. Piccolo into that GM role. Excuse me. Yeah, I I know. It supposedly changed things, but it didn't really change things. I've hated the Mike Matheny hire from day one. First of all, but, you know, the, you're, you're, you're hiring a guy who coached across the state for the Cardinals? No. No, not 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 my guy. And then on top of that, uh, you essentially made him your manager in waiting until Ned was done. Not a fan of that. Better managers on the market that you could have gone after. Guys that would have, by the way, the ability to work well with up-and-comers instead of relying on the same old, same old recycled guys like a Cal Eldred as a coach. And then on top of that, part of the problem that Matheny ran into in St. Louis is the same thing he's running into here. He doesn't get rid of friends. So you know right away there's a no vote if anybody pushes to get rid of Cal Eldred. You've got a no vote in the dugout right away from the manager. Oh, I mean, it's quite clearly. I mean, something like that's got to be holding back the move to get rid of Cal Eldred and go in another direction with the pitching coach. You have very few reliable arms, in my opinion, to come out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many guys are solid in the rotation right now? Probably three? Correct. Yeah, because you sent one down to Omaha that needed to be sent down to Omaha in Hernandez. Singer has been solid since coming up. Uh you know, you, Grinky is Grinky. I mean, that's he's the definition of this year, at least what I've seen, that he he never gets the run support he deserves. And then Brad Keller, I, I know Brad, like this past weekend, he did give up. He went seven innings. He gave up the four runs. Mm-hmm. 
But that's obviously you can work with that. Right. Exactly. Welcome to baseball right now. You can work with that. Remember, the, the, the point of the game right now is launch angle and strikeouts. Those are the things. You know, it, it's funny. Someone shared video on, on Twitter yesterday of Vince Coleman legging out a ground ball to the second baseman from back in 1985, and it was so close of a play that Pete Rose got mad because Coleman was called safe. That's missing from the game. That type of play is completely gone from the game. The problem is, is that the Royals are ill-suited for playing a launch angle and strikeout game. Their roster is not built for that. And so they find themselves stuck right now in a situation where they're not playing analytical baseball and they're not playing station-to-station baseball very well. You brought up the number of guys that are getting on base. They're leaving them there. That's the problem. They're not getting the big hit. They're not getting the sacrifice fly to drive in guys. They're striking out too much. They're not walking enough. And they're getting nothing on the base paths in terms of trying to knock pitchers off kilter by swiping bases or being active. Yeah, meanwhile, what I, the baseball I have been watching, what I have seen with an issue with the bullpen, how often do you see leadoff walks Oh, and lead to runs? Denny Matthews even was right on that yesterday afternoon. He called it right away. And what do you know? What happens? You turn it into an absolute disaster. Happened yesterday, ninth inning, leadoff walk. Think about how much baseball Denny has seen over the years. And what does it boil down to in his commentary? Yep, you can't walk the leadoff man. Think about that. I mean, it is just that common of an issue. It's, it, it just, it's the way that the game is structured. Teams take advantage of that in innings, and it always seems to come back and bite whoever was pitching. In this case, it's the Royals, and they can't seem to get anything going consistently at all with that bullpen. Yeah. I have nothing else to add to that. I, I, You're I, right. Yeah. I mean... I, I just, I just, I basically, I shut it off and just was muttering to myself. I didn't get this fired up yesterday. I mean, it. I was trying to figure out how to phrase this, but you started it. Yesterday felt like you have hit rock bottom. But it's and, not. It's not typically. It's not technically like you're not completely rock bottom. I mean, I think you could go look at the Cincinnati Reds and probably look at what they have oh. and realize, yeah, that is probably rock bottom as a franchise. And it's so bad, it is almost incurable. And they've got ownership that doesn't give a damn. They've got ownership that is just in it to make money off the backs of the fact that they own the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, wait, wasn't that the Glass family for about 20 years? Till they finally got something going and won a World Series title? That's the way it felt about the about the glasses for the majority of the time that they were in charge. Was that all they cared about was that they were making money on the backs of fans? Well, I mean, and the, unfortunately, the value of franchises only goes up. That is true. That is exceptionally true. It's a great investment. Here's the thing: if you're as Patrick Mahomes, if you're Sherman right now, and you're looking at your investment. 
and you planted the bug that you want a downtown stadium, what are you thinking about right now with this franchise? Maybe we should lower the capacity a little bit, what we got from Kaufman. That would be the wrong thing to be thinking of right now, but yes. you're probably right, unfortunately. They'll make the stadium look I'm, – I'm obviously joking and around. That, and I'm that, just, what I'm saying is nobody shows up to these games. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Monica and I are, are looking at going at some point. We've not been to the stadium in 20 years because of where we were. Now, our tradition became, became going to Rockies games. We want to get back to our tradition of going to Royals games. Because we're back home. But do we really want to if it's not going to be a product that's worthwhile watching? What I think is interesting is that you are not hearing anything. And none of us know what's going through Sherman's mind right now as the owner of this franchise. None of us have a concept. He is as quiet an owner as the Royals have had from day one. You knew what Ewing Kaufman was thinking. And he was up front and he was open about his ways of running the team. David Glass may not have been open about his ways of running the team in some aspects, but he'd at least talk about it. You were able to glean information from him and how he perceived his franchise. We don't know what Joel Sherman is thinking at all right now with this team. You never hear from him. Dayton Moore is essentially his front man. Which is interesting given that Dayton was the glasses front man for so long. But you hear nothing out of Joel Sherman other than that he wants a downtown stadium. John Sherman? John Sherman. Thank you. It's interesting to me that beyond the business side of it, that, that, that one business item, we don't know what he has in mind with this franchise. We don't know what he wants out of this team. We've got no indication from the owner. And that's part of the frustration right now because fans are sitting here saying ownership has to do something. Ownership needs to make changes. We're hearing nothing. Meanwhile, you have, uh, was it Dayton Moore during the press conference that, uh, I'm going to oh, butcher it, but. Tried to spin it that yeah. that uh, Cal Eldred deserves credit yes. for what. Yes, thank you. For, for how Brad Keller is throwing this year. Yeah, I just. If you're oh. blaming for Jackson Kowar, you got to give him credit for Brad Keller. That's extreme that, yeah. paraphrasing, but it's. Yeah, absolutely absurd. Absurd. Yeah, not only what are you saying, what you're seeing on the field is hard to watch what you hear from the higher ups from the Royals make you want to puke. The most exciting thing about the Royals is the potential of a downtown stadium in what maybe eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, guess who's going to be asked to foot that bill. We're back to talking about the tax money. That goes on to visitors, that goes on to residents, that goes on to how many different people. But it's going to be the city that's going to be on the hook for the stadium, not the Royals themselves. 
Maybe you ought to put a product out there that people want to go watch before you start talking about a downtown stadium. Maybe you ought to look at that product and decide to do some upgrades and make it exciting. You know, something interesting that Pete Hughes said in talking about the atmosphere out here at Toynton Family Stadium, that it essentially is like going to a rock concert. All the credit in the world goes to the game management folks at K-State. They do a tremendous job. Go to a Royals game and try and recreate that atmosphere. It isn't happening. Folks are kind of locked into where they are, and, well, it's not traditional. I've noticed all the music they use is the same they've been using for years. Like when it comes to like the batting order, the home runs, or um, like when they announce the umpires. They use an mm-hmm. old wrestling theme for a guy that hasn't been in the WWE in six years. Mm-hmm. The presentation should be freshened up. I do like when they have like guys on and they're trying to get the crowd going. They have like some music and something on the video board between every pitch. Um, I haven't been to a Royals game in a couple of years. Actually, it's been about three years. Sure. I. But the point is well taken. You know, you pick up on these things, though, if you are paying attention, even just to the radio broadcast, you can hear what's going on in the background. I'll be honest with you, though. I mean, fan experience to me is like one of the last things you need to be worrying about right now. No, it's a, it's a valid point, but it also plays into frustration. If, it, if the fan experience isn't fun and you're playing bad baseball then the fans aren't going to be coming out. All right, the casual fan won't come out you off. at that point. I got to cut you off. We got to take I got a break. You. It's probably better. Well, when you told me in the office earlier, I asked, you got any thoughts on the Royals this <laughs> from this past weekend? And your answer was, well, nothing clean for the radio. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, we need to get Troy talking. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to switch from what was just a disaster this past weekend to uh, my favorite sports moment from the weekend. That's next. I couldn't get Troy to stop talking terrible Royals and what's wrong with the franchise. I'm just a fan! I was just blandly saying a few things, and he's really coloring in the coloring book. And not exactly staying in the lines. But welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Sage Williams. I did want to get to this. This was my favorite part of this sports weekend. We're not talking golf. It's not basketball. It's not hockey. I think one of the great moments in sports is when the Premier League Championship is decided on the final match day. It's happened nine times in 30 years. So... A third of the time, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen every year, but especially when it's coming down to two name clubs like Manchester City and Liverpool. Manchester City, heading into the final day, is up one point. In the point system, if you don't know in soccer, you get three points for a win, one point for a draw, no points, of course, if you lose the match. But Man City had a point advantage and the goal differential – over Liverpool. So when it's coming down to the final day, you have Man City, they're hosting Aston Villa, and then you have Liverpool also at home hosting Wolves FC. 
Liverpool needs a victory to win the championship. Man City, they will clinch it all if they can pull off the victory. If they were to lose and Liverpool was to tie, there would be a tie in points. Goal differential is the tiebreaker. It would go to Man City. Well, Man City finds themselves down 2-0 to a team they should beat in Villa in the second half. Villa scored their second goal in the 69th minute. So it tells you, you have 20 minutes to go with extra time to be added, but they need three goals to clinch the championship. And Liverpool would later on go on to win their matchup. So Man City needs to win this match. And by God, Man City scores in the 76th, the 78th, and the 81st minute. They scored three goals in five minutes to win the Premier League championship. I pulled the call. Here is the game-winning goal. I really wanted to pull this as well because uh, Etihad Stadium went berserk, went bananas. It was a great crowd pop. And if whoever it drops to can show the calmness that Rodri did a few minutes ago, it'll be a title winner. De Bruyne dancing into the area. De Bruyne back. Man, it's something about Manchester City since 2012. If those 2012 Premier League final day was maybe the craziest day in the history of the Premier League when they scored two goals in extra time to come from behind, win their match, and win the Premier League over their rival, Manchester United. Now, with that final goal, it just so happens, and I, for some reason, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Is it Andreas Cortez? Cortel, Cortez? Gosh dang it. I'm forgetting it. But he just happened to be on the call for this game for Telemundo on the Spanish call. You'll probably recognize it. Here it was. He's not done. I think age is starting to take to, to play a role here, though. He sounds a little more like a foghorn right now. What did you say his name was? Andres Cantor. Andres Cantor, okay. Yeah, about I, I, a 40-second goal call. Yeah, he had to take some breaks in there. He's 59. But it's, I tell you what, soccer broadcasters are some of the best poets mm-hmm. you'll find in sports when it comes to the broadcasters. One of the things that I always loved about Doc Emmerich on Oh, NHL hockey. He might be my very, favorite all time. Very similarly, though, his calls were much like that of trying to watch a soccer match. 
if you really think through and and the vocabulary and the flow and how he called a game, it really felt like in some ways what you would see out of the coverage of Premier League soccer on NBC. Go back. If you get on YouTube, go look up Man City 2012 Premier League and go watch that moment, first of all, and then also listen to the call. It's to me, like if I were to put together like a list of the greatest moments in sports history, like it would be top 25. It would certainly be like a top 25 type of moment. But it's such a rare thing to happen to see a comeback like that in like three or four minutes, extra time, Man City. I mean, great moments. Great moments. All right. Sam Honeybuns is going to take over here in just a moment. His uh, movie review from the weekend next. Welcome to the Micro Movie Minute with me, Sam Honey. Today, we're taking a look at Men, an elevated horror movie from the always weird and artsy A24. You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. I didn't drive him to it. Men follows a recent widow named Harper, played by Jesse Buckley, who rents out a cottage in the countryside in England to deal with the death of her husband. But when someone or something from the woods starts following her, her getaway becomes a nightmare. Is Men an artistically well-done horror movie, or is it so stuffy it needs a colonoscopy to find itself? Words are hard to describe Men, especially in a short amount of time. While the movie sells itself as a horror movie, there's much more there that needs more detail to discuss. I was having trouble understanding Men until I understood what it was trying to say with its themes, and then it clicked. The themes of men blaming their problems on women, which stems from the original sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, is very well executed in the movie and each man Harper encounters represents a different aspect of the ridicule women face. This is executed in a not so subtle way by having all of the men in the village played by the same actor Rory Kinnear. Kinnear does a great job playing these different men and making them all feel like individuals but ultimately blending them together to bring the larger themes into a more direct light. Buckley also gives a fantastic performance as someone going through this grieving process but also processing something that came before. Moving on to the horror elements of the movie, Men does a great job with its atmosphere, making you feel uncomfortable and tense along with Harper. I've gotten a real Stanley Kubrick vibe from this movie, as well as one of the director's previous films, Ex Machina. One complaint I would have about Men was that I was really enjoying it up until about the third act, where the movie drones on for a bit and slugs its way to the finish line with a very abrupt ending. Overall, Men delivers on being an uncomfortable elevated horror movie that drags a bit at its climax. That's why I'm giving Men four creepy naked men in the forest out of five. That'll wrap up this week's Micro Movie Minute with me, Sam Honey. I gotta say, by the way, Sam Honey Buns, I appreciate that uh, movie review on Men. The previous couple we've played... You know, he wasn't into him, and he's a great movie critic. I've never disagreed with his picks. The movies I've seen and he's reviewed, I've always agreed with him. I think this is the first one I actually want to go see. <laughs> it sounds super interesting, and now I know what to... I, I know the themes, right? I know mm -hmm. what to be watching for, mm -hmm. the themes, the story. Thank you so much, Sam Honeybuns. When we come back, the SEC... In my opinion, is threatening the alliance. Sounds like a uh, wrestling storyline. There you go. But it's actually kind of true. Next. <laughs> 